Hey, you guys, Scott Horton here to remind you that it's fun drive time at the Institute right now. We only do this twice a year, but it's got to be done. And I'm proud to do it, too. We've got an incredible crew of the best writers, authors, and podcasters in the libertarian movement. From Jim Bovard, Lori Calhoun, Tom Woods, and Ted Carpenter, to Keith Knight, Kyle Anzalone, Hunter Dorensis, Connor Freeman, and all the rest of the guys. It's the best team around. We've published three books this year. Keith Knight's Voluntarist Handbook, Lori Calhoun's Questioning the COVID Company Line, and Joseph Solis Mullins' The Fake China Threat. And here any day now, we will be publishing Thomas E. Woods' Diary of a Psychosis, Jim Bovard's Last Rites, and Keith Knight's latest, Domestic Imperialism. That makes 13 books so far, with more coming in the new year, including my new one, Provoked, How Washington Started the New Cold War with Russia and the Catastrophe in Ukraine, which, I know, is already overlong and overdue, but I'm working on it, I promise. And which brings me to the point. We don't have a big glass office building in downtown Washington. The money we raise goes straight to payroll and book production costs, and that's about it. The Libertarian Institute is the best bang for your buck in the movement. If you believe in what we're doing, please go to libertarianinstitute.org slash donate for details on how you can help keep us going into the new year and the great kickbacks we offer as well. And we thank you for your support. For Pacifica Radio, December 7th, 2023, I'm Scott Horton. This is Anti-War Radio. All right, y'all, welcome to the show. It is Anti-War Radio. I'm your host, Scott Horton, celebrating 25 years on the radio. That's how old I am now. And celebrating 13 on the radio here on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., I am the editorial director of Antiwar.com, and I'm the author of the book Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. You can find my full interview archive, almost 6,000 of them now, going back to 2003, the very oldest one from 1999. They're at scotthorton.org, and you can sign up for the podcast feed there at all your favorite podcast catchers for all the interviews, not just those that run here on KPFK. All right, so introducing today's guest, it's our good friend and Antiwar.com's news director, Dave DeCamp. Welcome back to the show, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good, Scott. Thanks for having me. Very happy to have you here. Lots of bad news to talk about. Let's start with Israel-Palestine. First of all, I'm interested in what are the best estimates of the casualties as of today, December the 7th, as far as you know, sir. So I just saw Gaza's health ministry just put out another estimate, and they say it's about 17,100. And according to their count, 70% are women and children. Now, the Gaza's the health ministry, they stopped putting out updates uh, on November 10th. They said they just couldn't anymore because the communications broke down. But then during that about one-week pause that when Hamas and Israel were exchanging hostages and pri- prisoners— I guess they got some, you know, some more counts, so they started putting out updates again. And if you remember earlier in the war, lots of people were casting doubt on the numbers coming from the health ministry, including President Biden, who essentially accused the Palestinians of lying about the death toll. Um, but after that, you know, the State Department said, you know, they actually think it's a low estimate, and it is 
they they say that themselves, the health ministry, because they're not counting all the people that are still under the rubble, uh, which includes children. Uh, it includes probably Hamas, you know, fighters that were down in the tunnels that were hit with a bunker buster bomb or something. You know, they're not able to dig those people out. And actually, I just saw Glenn Greenwald tweeted this, but the Times of Israel reported uh, yesterday that Israeli officials have admitted that it's an accurate count from the health ministry. So 17,000, and again, that seems to be a low estimate. I think it's safe to say the death toll is over 20,000. All right, it's Anti-War Radio. Scott Horton talking with Dave DeCamp. And now the health ministry does not differentiate in those raw numbers between Hamas fighters and or civilians. I guess you say they differentiate women and children, but when it comes to men, they don't differentiate who's a fighter and who's just some guy? Yeah, no, they don't. So that's why, like, the conservative estimate of civilian casualties is basically 70% of their death toll. And they, uh, I believe the the number of children now is around 7,000, um, which is just horrific. Yeah. Um, all right, well, and is there any kind of independent reporting? I know there was one thing in Israeli media where they were saying they thought they'd killed 20,000 people, almost all of them fighters. So you could throw that out, but... Is there any kind of estimate from any credible source about how many Hamas fighters have died in this thing? It would really be a shame if they just helped get all of these innocent civilians killed uh, without getting a hair touched on their heads hiding deep underground. Mm -hmm. Well, I saw The Guardian recently reported that Israel estimated they killed between 1,000 and 2,000 Hamas guys, and that was last week. Uh, another count from Financial Times was 5,000. But again, these are just estimates from Israeli officials speaking uh, to the media. So uh, we really don't know. And if I'm sure you read that recent report in 972 magazine, which is yeah, I was Israeli just going to ask you about that. Yeah. Go so, I, I mean, the important thing there, I mean, there's a lot. There's so much to that report. So let's uh, try not to skip over anything. But when well, it, when we come to the when we talk about the number of civilians killed compared to the Hamas fighters, what that report revealed, which seemed pretty thorough to me, it cited Israeli intelligence sources, was that if there was instances where they think they're going to kill one Hamas fighter, and but hundreds of civilians, not uh, one or two or a few dozen, which is already a crazy amount. You know, how, how can you justify killing a few dozen people to kill one uh, Hamas guy? Uh, but they're saying that they would authorize strikes where hundreds of civilians would be killed if they think one Hamas commander or something would would be killed. So that's it's a it's a rate a ratio of you know not two to one or three to one. It's it's a very high ratio that that they uh, are going with. Uh, it's anti-war radio, and the article I'm talking about here with uh, Dave DeCamp is this thing in 972 Mag, which is that's the area code of Tel Aviv. So that's why it's called that. It's an Israeli publication. And this article is by Yuval Abraham. It's called A Mass Assassination Factory. A Mass Assassination Factory. In case you missed this, it's really worth the dive uh, when you get a chance to look it up. A Mass Assassination Factory inside Israel's calculated bombing of Gaza. And I dare say that there is a Guardian article that is a pretty good companion piece that goes along with it called The Gospel, How Israel Uses AI to Select Bombing Targets in Gaza. So I was wondering, I mean, if you uh, have it in front of you or, or, you know, I know that you wrote this up for antiwar.com. You already mentioned about the insane ratios that they 
openly admit adopting here of their willingness to inflict civilian casualties to catch Hamas fighters. But can you take us through this a little bit more? Because even what counts as a Hamas fighter is they'll wipe out a neighborhood to get just some schmuck with an AK who doesn't even have a rank, right? Like the lowest private, they'll kill his whole family, this kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, the report said, you know, if, if they want to destroy, say, a high rise building, you know, they could basically find an excuse, find somebody that lives there or some office floor that's tied to Hamas to justify destroying the whole building. And they call these um, when they target high rise buildings or other like public buildings. Um, they, they mention universities, banks, things like that. They call them power targets. And what these Israeli officials said was the purpose of, of destroying these power targets was to put pressure on Palestinian civil society to put pressure on Hamas. That's what they say the strategy is. And it's they're intentionally damaging civilian areas. That's what all these officials uh, quoted in this report said. And, you know, it's, again, basically, if they want to destroy a building, they'll, they'll find a reason to do it. And it sounds like a terror campaign to me. And then the other type of target that they discussed were personal homes of Hamas members. And this is where the AI uh, system seems to come in because they're talking about not medium level or high level officials that are mostly down in the tunnels. These are low level guys and they target their homes where they live, um, whether or not it's a single family home or an apartment building, you know, they, they blow it up. And this AI system basically finds all these targets for them at a much faster rate than any Israeli intelligence analysts can uh, can do. And they say that there's testimony from Palestinians that seems pretty convincing that in a lot of these cases, there, there's nobody related to Hamas when they destroy these homes. And this is something that Israel has done in, in, uh, in, in previous wars is, you know, if a Hamas guy is sleeping in his bed, they'll just blow up his his house, whether or not his family's there, his young kids are there. That, that's been a strategy of the Israelis for a long time. So this has kind of just been, you know, increased at such a such a level because they have this AI system now picking out targets. Um, and there's one quote in that piece, and I, I know I saw you tweeting about this, where they this is one Israeli intelligence source that basically says, everything is intentional. If a three-year-old girl dies, it's because the IDF decided, uh, you know, it was worth it. The collateral damage was worth it, which they call it collateral damage. But how is it collateral if the majority of the people you're killing are civilians to kill one uh, Hamas fighter? So um, it's just a really revealing report. And it again, these guys are these sources. This report is saying that Israel is intentionally targeting civilian areas to do damage Mm -hmm. to uh, kind of as a psychological campaign. Yeah. And I wanted to point out this, too. So I don't know if everybody gets to the end of the article because it's kind of stomach-churning thing. But two intelligence sources told 972 MAG that Hamas leaders, quote, understand that Israeli harm to civilians gives them legitimacy in fighting. Of course, that's the whole purpose of terrorism anyway, right? Is to create a reaction, drive more people into your camp, to heighten the contradictions, of course. And then... That becomes the excuse anyway. These power targets, we're going to kill civilians deliberately and knowingly because we pretend to believe, even though we explicitly admit we know better. We want to continue to pretend to believe that this will turn the people of the Strip against Hamas, their only armed force resisting on their behalf. Mm -hmm. They know they're lying. 
Yeah, and uh, it remind if you remember in earlier wars, they used to warn people and to tell them to evacuate these buildings, these high rise buildings that they would destroy. And I do remember when this thing first started, we saw some of that, but it seems like that has basically gone away. Them, you know, they're telling Palestinians to leave certain areas, but then they bomb the areas that they send them to anyway. I mean, it's just they don't have a chance of of really going anywhere that's safe. Um, and I believe it was in 2021 when Israel knocked down this uh, tower in Gaza that had an Al Jazeera office, an Associated Press office, Middle East Eye office, uh, big media office. And they claimed some kind of Hamas office was there as well. And they took mm -hmm. down this building. This report said that that building was a power target. So the purpose was to just destroy it. It, it didn't it wasn't because there was a real Hamas presence there. Um, so and that's just one thing I wanted to point out. Because it's this is another strategy of the Israelis is to attack uh, the media. They're killing journalists at at an unprecedented rate. Um, and one thing that the U.S. feared about that pause in fighting because of the hostage deal was that more journalists would be able to shine a light on the atrocities that were committed. I mean, they really said that officials. Yeah. This was a report in Politico. I, I couldn't believe it that they yeah. actually said that. And which is very close. Yeah, this wasn't like a scoop exposing them. This is them talking to their friends at the Politico over there. It's incredible. Like, yeah, you know, one thing we're really worried about is people will see what we've been up to. Yeah, well. Um, and and speaking found of which, that Israel. Go ahead. I was just going to say they found that Israel left. There was four babies left at a hospital in Gaza, and the hospital director, the nurses. Uh, Doctors Without Borders all, you know, told the Israeli military, told the media when they left these babies behind that were hooked up to incubators. And then they were found decomposing when uh, during that pause. And this has been confirmed by The Washington Post now. And the State Department was asked about it. And, you know, they just left these babies to die. I mean, that's how horrific. Yeah, they forced you know, that, those, those doctors the, to leave, to be clear. Those doctors yeah. had no choice but to leave. But they said, listen, there's babies in here. So. In other words, bring in a military doctor to care for these babies, you know, and then they just didn't. Remember, everyone, this is how they started Iraq War One, was by lying and saying that Saddam Hussein stole the incubators and killed the Kuwaiti babies. That was how they got us into this whole mess 30 years ago. They could start a war with a lie about that, the snap of their fingers. Hear anybody talking about America baiting Israel now over this? course not that nope we'll just look the other way since we're talking about real babies being murdered this way that's different yeah you matt know. miller the state department spokesman he was asked about it the other day he just basically shrugged his shoulders deflected to hamas you know that's right now tell me about al masawi this area they say is the size of lax airport where the entire civilian population of the gaza strip is supposed to go dave mm -hmm. decamp yeah, so this is in the southwest of the Gaza Strip, and apparently Israel's telling all the Palestinians in Gaza to pack in there, you know, over 1 million people, up to 1.8 million people. Um, and now, this morning, I just saw Israel's claiming Hamas is firing rockets from there. So, it, you know, there's the pretext for it to be a target. And if you're Palestinian— Well, and it's I just mean, a wasteland, too, by the way. It's just—there's nothing there. It's just dirt, you know, sand, and nothing. No, yeah. no flat ground to even build your tent city on at all. Yeah. And I mean, if you're a Palestinian, like, would you want to go be rounded up in this little area? You know, would you trust Israel that isn't going to just bomb you? I mean, it's just, you know, I can't imagine what is going through their minds on the ground.
Yeah. Sorry, hang on just one second. Hey, y'all, Scott Horton here for Tennessee Hot Sauce Company. Man, this stuff is so good. They get all different flavors. Garlic habanero, honey habanero, pineapple habanero, poblano jalapeno, and the blood orange ghost. They're all so good, I swear. And for a limited time, Tennessee Hot Sauce Company is featuring official Scott Horton Hotter Than the Sun thermonuclear hot sauce. It's full of Carolina Reapers, Scorpion Peppers, Dr. Pepper, Hydrogen Isotopes, and all kinds of things that'll burn your tongue clean off. Seriously, it's really good. Get yourself a hot sauce subscription. Spend $40 or more and use promo code SCOTT to get a free bottle of Hotter Than the Sun hot sauce. That's tnhotsauceco.com. Hey, y'all got to check out these awesome busts of our hero, the great Ron Paul. They're made by the renowned sculptor Rick Casali. They're 13 inches tall, hand-painted bronze resin based on Casali's brilliant original. Y'all may have seen mine in the background on my bookshelf in some recent interviews. The thing is unbelievable. Check out this incredible piece of art at rickcasali.com slash ronpaul and you'll see what I mean. Use promo code Horton and you'll save 25 bucks. And this show will get a little kickback too. That's rickcasali.com slash ronpaul. Casali is C-A-S-A-L-I. rickcasali.com slash ronpaul. And there's free shipping too. All right. Um, there's so much on this subject. We have to talk about there's these two reports in Ha Rats. One about how, man, they could have prevented this thing. Oh, my God. And this goes with another story from the New York Times a few days before, Dave, about how they had the full plan. And this is Ronan Bergman, the author of Rise and Kill First in the New York Times. They had Hamas's plan on paper. Not the date of when they were going to do it, but the entire plan of what they were going to do. Now Haaretz follows up and says they met the night before. They knew the attack was going to happen and they did nothing. They did nothing to prevent the rape. And then, on top of that, another Haaretz piece where they debunk all of the most lurid accusations of atrocities, which is terrible because they did commit atrocities and kill innocent men, women, and children. Hamas did on October the 7th. But the Israelis spun all these crazy yarns that their media now is completely debunking. So let me be mm -hmm. quiet and have you explain, please, sir. Well, yeah, when it comes to kind of the atrocity propaganda, these are like the babies being beheaded, women having fetuses cut out of their bellies. Um, really horrific stuff. They're saying, you know, there was mass rapes, uh, and I'm I'm not sure of what the evidence of, of of you know when it comes to the to the sexual violence and stuff, uh, but they're they're claiming it was at this huge scale. And this Haaretz article basically debunked some, so like you said, some of the most lurid tales about the babies being beheaded and and all that. And now you basically see the strategy that's happening right now is they keep bringing this up and making these accusations about all these atrocities and horrors that Hamas committed on October 7th, kind of to distract us from what's happening in Gaza right now. It's 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 a very, I think, powerful propaganda tool. Like, you just make the conversation about yeah. something else. Well, it's and so that cynical. Also they killed one baby. And look, to kill one baby is to kill a thousand. Like, fine, I, mm. I believe in that. Like, I'm not going to apologize for that. But that's a lot different than they killed 40 babies. They hung them from a clothesline, and they cut all their heads off. And this crazy stuff that Bin Laden himself wouldn't do, you know? But that's what happened. But then, no, nope, that didn't happen at all. They cut the woman's belly open and stole and killed the feet. And, like, no, dude, completely made up. Completely made up. It was a huge deal. We're like, how dare you deny any of these things? And then it turns out that none of them were really right. Mm -hmm. You know, other than just the mass murder part. 
Yeah, and it was repeated by President Biden, the beheaded babies thing. Uh, you know, that's how far this thing got up. And then the White House walked it back. But how many people saw the White House retraction? You know, this is right. the president on TV saying right. this. And the same thing, too, with the friendly fire. And look, I think I should be clear about this. I think some people are um, Palestinian side are willing to extrapolate out and say, oh, well, so all of the atrocities or, or almost all of them were made up or so. I don't think that's really right. And then also, Dave, when it comes to these stories of the friendly fire, some of that, obviously, I want you to describe as much as you know about that, but it seems like people kind of glom onto that a little bit and make it sound like, geez, Hamas maybe really only targeted fighters here. And that's really not right. And nobody needs to play down the extent of what Hamas did, while at the very same time not playing down the extent of the Israeli regime's cynical exaggerations or mm -hmm. the extent of the actual friendly fire that took place, including, isn't it right, that sort of the poster child, this little girl that was killed, that they really used as propaganda, she was killed by an Israeli tank round, not by Hamas at all, as we now know, right? Yeah, so that was reported by Max Blumenthal, and, and he's just citing uh, Israeli media, interviews with eyewitnesses, with one woman that was there, Um she said that this, this little girl was killed by Israeli tank fire. They basically she was taken out of the house by a Hamas guy who wanted to surrender. And then there was uh, still Israeli hostages in the house with the remaining Hamas people that were there. And then Israel just they unloaded, you know, tank fire on this house and, and basically killed. Uh, I'm not sure if they killed all the Israelis that were in there, but most of them. And I'm not sure to what extent you know, the the Israelis were responsible for civilian deaths, like at, at what scale. But there's certainly a lot of evidence that uh, there was also Haaretz reported that when Israeli helicopters finally responded to the Nova Music Festival, which, according to the other Haaretz report, was after nine hours. And and I mean, that report is really something basically saying the night before Israeli officials met about this threat of a Hamas attack. Nobody told this music festival that was approved by the Israeli army that was actually approved to be extended one more day into Saturday earlier in the week. It wasn't even supposed to be held that day. Um, but so when helicopters arrived, according to Haaretz, they hit some Israelis as well. Um, so and, you know, you see these pictures of burned bodies, burned uh, Israeli bodies that they're saying Hamas was responsible for. And, and you have to wonder what how could they have burned them like that? So there's kind of a lot of questions about that day. And it's, you know, more and more slowly coming out. You know, it's it's really just crazy to think about how they would take, you know, whatever actually happened and add all these lies on top. Because as useful as that is for public relations for Israel, of course, that's also what they're telling the families of these victims. That your mom or your sister wasn't just killed, shot, but was brutally raped and tortured and et cetera, et cetera, this whole giant thing. And these families are being made to suffer through believing in these, you know, embellished tales just so that the government can get away with killing more people in Palestine. Man, it's the depth of cynicism. It's the, you know, Dick Cheney it, levels of hatred for their own people on demonstration there. Completely destroys their credibility. So the people that finding out about all these lies that Israel told about that day are now more inclined to say, oh, I guess, you know, it was all fake. Hamas didn't kill any civilians. 
that's how they lead people to think. And it was actually the title of that Heretz debunking article basically said uh, these stories uh, feed the deniers, what they call them, the people that are denying Hamas committed any atrocities. Um, so that's where Heretz is coming from in debunking that. Yeah. Well, look, the truth ought to be plenty bad enough. And yeah. you know what? Honestly, I'm not a let it happen on purpose guy. But it is important to note that at the very minimum, the level of criminal negligence and dereliction of duty by Netanyahu and the entire national security state there is such that one could easily extrapolate out if you want to jump to that conclusion that this must have been deliberate. You have every piece of that puzzle that you need when we know that they knew the entire plan. We know they knew that it was even going to happen. They let all the kids keep dancing anyway. They didn't call all the troops back from the West Bank that they had deployed away and all this. And we don't know who's making what decision. And I'm a minimalist on this stuff. I look at it as pure dereliction to the nth degree, though. Criminally negligent homicide, you know, in the first degree at the very least. But it, in other words, it's an unbelievable level of negligence for Israel's supposed security force, the ones who have these poor people locked in the Gaza ghetto in the first place and then are unable to keep them locked in there and protect the civilian population of Israel from the danger that they've engendered. And it's just nuts. Anyway, um, while we're at it, Dave, let me ask you one more here from the headlines on antiwar.com today. And this is again from Haaretz. Israeli police green light far right march rallying for, quote, full Jewish control over the Temple Mount. What does this mean? So, you know, this is going to there's often these very, you know, provocative marches by Israeli uh, far right people who sometimes chant, you know, the, the flag march is one of them that happens usually every year. And they go around chanting death to Arabs and things like that. And and this uh one that has been approved now by the Israeli authorities uh, could really set something off in East Jerusalem and the West Bank, because this is the the Al Aqsa Mosque, the, the Temple Mount. Uh, it's a very it's always been a sensitive area um, since Israel was founded, and this is what Hamas says they're responding to. They called their operation on October seventh Al Aqsa Flood. They said it, they started planning it in 2021 after Israeli forces stormed uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque and tear gassed and beat uh, Muslim worshipers. So this could turn into something. It's two, 200 people. You know, these are extremists. It uh, could turn violent. It could really set things off. And things are already very uh, tense in the West Bank. The violence has soared there. It was already very high before October 7th and now even more so settlers driving people out of their homes, burning their houses down, threatening to kill them. So this is just another thing that could add to the uh, powder keg there. Man. And you know what? On this, this has got to be deliberate. I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, the police said this or that. Netanyahu's in charge. In fact, I just watched an interview the other day where an American journalist is asking him, man, you're teaming up with these radical right-wing religious kooks in your coalition here. You're going to put this guy in charge of the police? And he says, don't worry, I'm in charge here. I'm the one who calls the shots. I'm King Bibi. Yeah, well, what does that mean then? That they're going to allow this massive provocation on the Temple Mount right now. They're trying to spread the war to the West Bank. 
They're trying to provoke a full-scale intifada, right? This is the Israeli state moving a chess piece on the board. This is not just a bunch of religious kooks doing what they want. They're doing it, as the headline says, with permission from the state, as directed by the state to do this. And at the same time, another headline from today is they're threatening Hezbollah more. When that the tit-for-tat strikes on the northern border had calmed down previously, right, Dave, or not? Mm. Yeah, they did during the truce in Gaza. And it doesn't seem like there, there's been more recently. Uh, it doesn't seem like it was at the level that it was. But now you have Gallant, the Israeli defense minister, saying we got to push Hezbollah back from the border. If we can't do it diplomatically, you know, we're going to use military force. And he's previously, you know, threatened a major war in Lebanon, saying that they could turn Beirut into Gaza. And the U.S. is is worried that Israel was trying to provoke Hezbollah for an excuse as a pretext for war. So it looks like they are looking to expand the war uh, even more. Man. Um, and you know what? Let's cram this in at the very end here. Give us an update, Dave DeCamp from Antiwar.com, if you could please on the tit-for-tat back and forth between the Americans deployed in Iraq and Syria and the various, I believe, all Shiite militias that they've been fighting? Mm-hmm. So the attacks on U.S. troops have continued. Uh, you know, these are rocket, generally small rocket attacks on these U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria. They started on October 17th in response to the U.S. support for what Israel's doing in Gaza. There's been over 70 attacks. No U.S. troops have been killed there's been dozens of, of injuries, but, you know, this is a lot of, of attacks that's happening. And the U.S. has launched uh, several rounds of airstrikes now in eastern Syria and Iraq. They killed uh, Kitab Hezbollah fighters in Iraq, which is one of the big Shia militias. And they're not backing down, the, you know, and, and the U.S. seems like they're now willing to uh, bomb these guys and, and kill a good amount of them. Uh, I believe a few dozen have been killed on the U.S. airstrikes now. And it's just, you know, a situation that seems to continue to escalate. All right, y'all, we're all out of time. Sorry about that. But that's uh, Dave DeCamp. He is news editor at antiwar.com. That's news.antiwar.com. And he hosts the podcast, Antiwar News, which is on all your podcatchers and on YouTube as well. Thanks so much for your time again, Dave. Thanks, Scott. All right, you guys. And that's it for Antiwar Radio for today. I'm Scott Horton. Editorial director at antiwar.com, host of the Scott Horton Show at scotthorton.org. And I'm here every Thursday from 2.30 to 3 on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA. See you next week.